All right. All right. It's beginning to look a lot like... No, church service. All right. It is good to have you here this morning, and we're going to have church. You know, if you haven't already entered into the presence of God, Kristen and the worship team did a wonderful job. And as we get to this place of Christmas, I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I, I put myself in a place so that I can receive what God has for me every year. Because just like my birthday, it seems like the older I get, the faster they come around. And if I'm not careful, I don't appreciate the year and the things that God is doing in my life and what He's already done. But Christmas is a time of year where, again, we remember the love of God. We should remember that all year round. But not just through Thanksgiving and through Christmas, but through Christmas especially we just stop and we start thinking that He loved us so much that He sent His Son. This morning, as we're in a place of, you know, coming out of worship and we're going to go into the Word of God. I want to just pray in a minute because I, I'm so blessed to have um, a spiritual daughter, I believe, uh, of mine, uh, Brianna, that's going to come and bring the Word. And and doctor, and I'm speaking by faith that she's working on her doctor's degree, uh, she's going to come and, and give us a Word that God has placed on her heart. And, and what's so important is that our heart is ready to receive what God is to give us. You know, that we've said it many times that um, our, our heart is the fertile ground, or it's not the fertile ground that the Word of God is planted in our life. Maybe through seasons you can look back in your life and maybe you were so busy, you came to church and you didn't really, you maybe heard the Word of God, but you didn't really take anything away with you. This morning, I hope that you just kind of take a deep breath, no matter where you are in life, and just slow down. And as the Word of God comes, that maybe just right now you can say, you know what, I'm going to get all the rocks out of my life, the hard parts of my life that the Word of God cannot penetrate. I'm going to get all the thorns and all the cactuses and all that junk that tries to steal what God has given me. And I'm just going to hear the Word of God with an open heart and allow the Word of God to change me. Does that sound good? Then agree with me in prayer. Father, today, as the Word of God goes forth, God, we know that your Word never comes back void of what you intended it to be sent out. But God, sometimes we receive it and we do not apply it. Father, today, I, I pray against that, that, Father, that everybody here would open up their ears and it would come in through their ear gate, that, that it would come into their mind and, and get into their heart, that the word would then begin to change us. And Father, we know that you have come to give us life, but more than that, abundant life to the full, to the, even the overflow. And today, God, I pray blessings on Brianna, Brianna as she comes and delivers the word. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's give her a hand as she comes. You're the messenger of God today. Well, hey, y'all. They warned me it might be a little loud because they know that I'm a little loud. So bear with me. But how are you? You're good. Did you come to behold Jesus today? 
I hope you did. I hope you did not come here with the thought or the expectation that what you were doing was coming to the house of God to check the box that you check for your Sunday. That check, I went to church. Check, we sang a few songs. Check, we left and we've done the spiritual thing. I hope you came to behold the face of Jesus because surely he's here. Surely he's here. And I want you to know that as we sit, a lot of times we think that the worship is supposed to be confined to a song. But as we open up his word, surely we're worshiping around his word. That's what we're doing. So as you sit there, just let your heart take the posture of a worshiper. Sit at his feet. Hear his precious voice. Listen to what he's speaking to you and open up your heart to receive. We're going to be reading this morning out of Revelation chapter 2. And you can start turning there if you want to. um, And I'll join you there in a moment. As you do so, I just want to free you up, though. If you don't have a Bible today... Or if it would cause you too much angst to flip the pages, can I just free you right now? A lot of times we, we feel like, oh, oh, they're not really on their phone. They're on their, they're, or on their Bibles. They're on their phone. They're on Facebook. We, we look and go, oh, he's, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't even know where the passages are in Scripture. Not, not here. Can I just free you? It's up here. It's going to be up here. So if you want to just listen, you just listen and listen to the voice of the Lord. That would be so much more beneficial to you than feeling the pressure that you should not feel in the house of God. So as we turn, um, I want to start by praying. Again, I know we've prayed, but let's acknowledge Jesus. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We can't say that enough, and that doesn't get old to you. You, don't, you never tire of hearing that we love you. You never tire of hearing the voices in the church saying that you're holy, that you're beautiful. And so we tell you now, you are so beautiful, lovely to behold. And what we want to do is we sit at your word, excuse me, as we look into your word, Lord, we want to gaze into your eyes and just be absolutely taken, absolutely captivated by you, by your beauty, by your majesty, by your glory. You are spectacular. Lord, fill this place with yourself. Would you come do the work of the ministry? Would you speak to every heart? Would you anoint every word? And would you say exactly what it is that you want to speak? May we have eyes to see. Jesus, may we have ears to hear. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be reading Revelation 2, 1 through 7. And I'm just going to start reading. Let's get going, shall we? To the angel of the church in Ephesus write... The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. If you know anything about your Bibles, and even if you do know something about your Bible, a lot of time, the book of Revelation is one of those books that you don't know a whole lot about. It's like Revelation and the prophets. There's a lot that's going on in the book of Revelation, and so people, they get intimidated by it, and they don't spend much time in it. Lots of symbolism, lots of moving parts. So let's go ahead and simplify what's going on. The book of Revelation, we find out in Revelation chapter 1, what's going on is John, and there is some commentary 
theory as to whether it's John the Revelator or John the Beloved who wrote the Gospel of John, the one Jesus loved, the one who leaned on his breast. There are some who believe that they are two separate Johns, others who believe they are one and the same. I tend to fall in the camp of they are one and the same. Um, if you have another camp, that that's great. Let's keep it moving. Don't let that be a stumbling block. So um, John the Revelator, John, John, is on the Isle of Patmos. And in chapter 1, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Y'all, I love that. That right there, I could just stop and we could just, just, I I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I love that. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day when I heard a voice behind me saying, write down what you hear. Write a letter to the angels that are assigned to the seven, seven different churches. What we just read was the letter to the church at Ephesus, which is why it opens with, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. This letter was the letter, the words of Jesus given to John to write down in a letter to give to the angel to go and minister to the church. So this is Jesus' specific words, his specific message to a specific church, the church at Ephesus. That's what's going on. And I want to take a tour of this church. What I love about God is uh, he'll speak and he does so publicly. There are things that he tells privately, and then there are things that he says publicly. The things that he says publicly are for the benefit of all. So it's not just for the church at Ephesus, or else it wouldn't be recorded in Holy Scripture. This is a letter that was meant to be read in public. So let's take a tour. Let's leave the chapel, and let's go to the church at Ephesus. Can you imagine with me for a moment the beauty of this church? This church is the place to be. This is the ideal church. If you and I could write down on a piece of paper the type of church we want to belong to, the place that we want to call our church home, the place of worship, the church at Ephesus is the place to be. How do I know that? Jesus says, I know your works. I know your works. And this is not a threatening, I know what you're doing. This is a commendation. I know your works. So they are known in heaven by Jesus for their works. What does that tell me? This is a body of people known for good works. They take seriously the word of God that we were recreated in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he prepared beforehand for us to do that. We might walk in them. This is that kind of church. So every time you walk in the door, there's goodness. There are good works going down. The pastor doesn't have to ask anybody to to stay after Thanksgiving service and, and help clean up. He doesn't doesn't have to ask people to love each other or to go and help somebody move when it's time to move. This is a church known for good works. He doesn't have to ask them that when they go to work on Monday morning, they should be good to the people who don't know Jesus and not antagonistic. This church is known for their good works. What a church. He says, I know your toil. I know your toil. Similar to works, I know your toil. Toil is a very strong word. This is not a work that's an idol. Oh, everybody's working, so I'm just kind of here looking. No, they're toiling. They are toiling for the sake of the gospel. This is a church that's serious about the kingdom and serious about the message of the kingdom getting into the earth. They're serious about the word going out into the highways, into the byways. From the top to the bottom, every region in between, they are toiling for the sake of the gospel. They are working, and the message is always before them. I know your works. And I know your toil. He says, I know your patient endurance. I love this. I love this. 
He says, I know your endurance. What do we have to endure? Persecution. You know what this tells me about this church? Their zeal, their vigor, what they're doing has attracted some persecution. And he says, I know that you're enduring. I know that you're enduring. So this is not a church that when somebody says something hurtful on Facebook, they fall away. This is not a church that when persecution arises on behalf of the name of Christ, that says, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. This is not a church that when church people hurt them, say, I'm going to leave because clearly the church is not about anything. God's not about anything. This is a church that endures. They have something to endure. There is persecution. There is backlash. There is accusation. I know your patient endurance. What a church. So we got a church of good works, a church that toils for the sake of the gospel, a church that endures and holds up in the, in the midst of accusation and persecution. He says, I love this. I'm going to step on some toes here for a second. And what I'm going to ask you is don't you dare, this is not God, don't you dare start listening in your heart. This is the enemy. Well, I just don't know any churches like this, and I'm just, it's a dang shame that we can't be like the church in Ephesus. That's not God, and that's not what he's ministering to your heart. So don't go there. When it rises up, don't you dare. Let's keep it pushing. He says, I know, I know, I know that you've tested those who call themselves apostles, but who are not, and have found them to be false. This is a church with a fantastic leadership team. This church never has to worry if their pastor is secretly cheating on his wife. This church is never worried whether or not the youth pastor is just in it for the money. This church is not deceived. When evil men come up and they're trying to peddle the gospel for the sake of personal selfish fleshly gain, this church is discerning, and they kick it out. They kick it out. He says, you cannot bear with those who are evil. This church doesn't have a sin problem. This church is not full of people who show up on Sunday morning, but behind closed doors, you just wouldn't believe what they're into. That's what's going on at this church. This is a church of holiness. This is a church of righteousness. They kick evil out. They can't bear with sin. They don't bow their knee to the culture and what the culture says is appropriate. What the culture would define as okay, what the Bible says it this way, calling good evil and evil good, that's not this church. That's not what, hap what is happening at this church. This church kicks sin out. They don't entertain themselves on what the world would simply call entertainment, but it's just really veiled evil. That's not what's happening. The pastor is holy. The youth pastor is holy. The men and the women who make the coffee, holy. The people who, who travel in and who speak a message, holy. Not because they're holding a microphone. That's not what makes you holy. You and I know it. We know it. They kick it out. They can't bear with those who are evil, and they test them, and they find out that they are false. This is a discerning church. Doesn't it sound like the place we'd want to be? He says, I know and he says this again, verse 3, I know you're enduring patiently and you're bearing up for my name's sake. I find this to be noteworthy. The fact that he mentioned it twice tells me there's great persecution. 
It's not the small stuff that just gets us going. It's not that somebody spoke a few mean words, but maybe their people are being stoned in the streets. Their people are being, their cars are being run over. They didn't have cars, but you know what I mean. Go with me. Their cars are being attacked. Their homes are being burned. Their children are being kidnapped. They are going through it. And he says twice, I know that you're enduring patiently and you're bearing up for my name's sake. So this is not a, this is not a weak church. This is a strong church. This is not a church that says, I'm too tired. I can't go to church today. It takes more than fatigue from a four, Monday through Friday, 40-hour-a-week job to get them and keep them from the house of God. This is a church, a strong church that bears up and that endures for his name's sake. In the midst of great persecution, he says, and that you haven't grown weary. This is a church with zeal, with passion, with fire from the front to the back, not a dry eye in the house. When the worship comes on and the songs are playing, you don't look around and see folded arms and people who just are too tired to lift them up because life has beat them down. No, they have not grown weary. They are full of zeal, full of fire. The Bible says it this way, be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. That's this church. They are aglow. They are burning. They are strong. They're not weary. This is the place to be. And, and it's coming out of Jesus's mouth. So we know it's true. This is their reputation in heaven. Can you imagine their reputation on the earth? Doesn't it sound like the church, the ideal church that you and I would want to belong to? I say yes emphatically. I would love that kind of church. I'd love it. Not an empty seat in the house because everybody's ready. And yet, and yet, in the midst of all of that, Jesus has a complaint. He has something to criticize. How on earth could he have something to criticize about that type of church? How on earth could he have anything to bring against that type of church? The church that serves, that gives, that goes, that preaches, that ministers, that does good works. What on earth could he have against that church? He says, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. That you've left your first love. So evidently, every single thing that they are doing, every single thing from the outside looking in that we would commend, that we would say, oh, those, are, those people are on fire. They love Jesus. Every single bit of that that we would say, Jesus comes back and says, you've left your first love. This is what I have against you. You've left your first love. How can that be? That had to have been what they were asking themselves. Jesus, how can you say that? Do you not see me? I'm here before the doors are open, here late into the night. How can you say I don't love you? He gives them a clarifying statement. Remember, remember from where you have fallen. Remember from where you have fallen. He says to them, do you remember? Do you remember the beginning? Do you remember when you first fell in love with me? Do you remember what it was like? I bring that question home to you guys. Do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus? I can tell you how it happened for me. And, and forgive me, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm probably not going to make it without crying because Jesus is just that good. So if you see me crying, cry with me. Um, when I, for most of you know, 
quite a bit about me. I've been here for some time, but for those of you who don't, um, I, ha- I joke, I've laughingly always said I've been walking with the Lord since my mother's second trimester. I've never not known the Lord. I've been born and raised in the church, um, avid churchgoers. My father was a pastor before he died some years ago. Uh, my grandparents before then. My mom's been saved since before, you know, I was in the world. I've never not known Jesus, but I have known what it is to be a Christian and not to be in love. And so right around probably 18, I didn't know it as a, as a younger person, but right about 18, 19, many of you know that before I was, um, the Lord started me on the path that I'm on now, I was a biology major and was planning to go to medical school. So when I was in college, around 18, 19, I was at Texas Women's University, and I joined a sorority, and I was the only Christian in my sorority. Many young ladies who had been born um, around the church but didn't really know the Lord, and so th- there was just a difference. There was just a difference. We can leave it at that. And so I was, I was kind of known for being, you know, the girl. She, she, she loves the Lord. Same like this little church, that there would be no question. Oh, she goes to church, and she, she serves, and she's there, and that's what she does. But around 1819, I had a spectacular summer, and I really can't put it into words for you because it's not like there was some massive event that took place. It's just that Jesus came and revealed himself to me in a way like I had never seen him before. And a new obsession welled up on the inside of me for him, and I knew I would never be the same. Once I, I read my Bible, but, but now I just I couldn't, I couldn't put it down. I ached for it. I longed for it. I'm a reader. I have been since um, I learned how to read. I love to read. At any given time, I'm reading probably seven, eight, nine books. That's just me. But, but all my books, they were away, and, and all I wanted was to read the Bible everywhere I went. It was, there was no question. Cafeteria, I've got my Bible. It's in my purse. My leisure time, I'm in my Bible, and I'm a napper. I love to take naps. And so, and I'm not a morning person, so I would uh, discipline myself by taking 8 a.m. classes, and 8 a.m. classes were done by noon. I can take a nap. My nap time got replaced with the Bible. I, I, could, I couldn't wait to get into his presence. Bone tired, but, but I had to be with him. Anytime anybody brought up his name, you should have seen me. It was like, I was like, oh, did you just say Jesus? I love him. And so little by little, you know, people were kind of looking at me like, girl, like, okay, calm down. Like, we knew you loved him, but this is next level. So, and, I mean, I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop from bringing him up. Every conversation, I was like, oh, Jesus. And every single time somebody said something, I'm a big smiley rest on my face and, and, and Jesus. And so little by little, the changes started to be noticeable. And my friends, they'd go, yeah, Brianna, she, she loves Jesus. And I'd say, oh, oh, but I do. I do. Up early in the morning, late at night, I couldn't wait to get into his word. What I didn't want to be distracted from him. What music? What movies? It's not legalism. Thank you so much. It's not legalism. It wasn't anybody telling me, oh, you're going to hell if you watch a movie. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be distracted from Jesus for one second because I was head over heels in love with him. And God just began to move and light my heart with a new fresh fire that I didn't even know how to describe. And it spread and it moved. And y'all, without me even trying, some of my sorority sisters got saved. Some of you who have been here forever, you wouldn't remember but they came, it was like 2012, they came and they were here with us in church and it was simply because I was in love. They saw how the, the light in my eyes and how I would just weep at the mention of his name. I remember what it was like when I first fell in love with Jesus. I remember, I remember 
how my heart would beat quickly in my chest at the mention of his name. How I could not go a moment without thinking about him. How anybody who gave me an itch, I was going to say his name. Y'all know I have a field in pharmacy. It was nothing for me to, to give some pills and to stop and pray in public. There was no fear because I was in love. Because I was in love. I remember what it was like when I first fell in love with Jesus. Do, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember what it was like when you couldn't help but go to the place of prayer and now we act like we're doing God a favor? If he gets 20 minutes before work or 20 minutes when we get home, we act like we're doing him some big favor. If we sing a song or if we lift our hands, we act like we're doing him a favor when he's everything. When he's everything, do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus? Do you remember? He says it to the church in Ephesus. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? Remember from where you've fallen. And he tells him how to get there. Repent. Repent. And do the works you did at first. Here's the thing. A lot of times we love to emphasize the gentleness of Jesus, and he is. He's, he's a lamb. We love to emphasize his meekness, and, and he is. He is so lowly and so humble. But may we never forget he is a king, and he is holy, and this is serious. This is serious. It is the most serious thing in the world to him. He says, if you do not repent, I will remove your lampstand from its place. This is strong language. What he's saying here is if you do not fall back in love with me, Ephesian church, you will not be in my presence anymore. What's the lampstand? If you look at Revelation 1.20, it says the seven lampstands are the seven churches, and Jesus is he who walks in the midst of the seven churches. Jesus is walking in the midst of these churches. His presence is there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is possible to have church and not have an ounce of the presence of the Holy Spirit in here. I've seen it. You have too. And he tells them, if you do not fall back in love with me the way you were before, first love. He's not just asking for any kind of love. First love. If you do not fall back in love with me, you will no longer be in my presence. It is that serious. Jesus is not interested in a church of good works, in a church that toils, that labors, that gives, that's faithful in attendance. He's not interested in that. He, how do I know? Because Corinthians says, if I give up my body to be burned but I don't have love. That was nothing. If I give everything that I have, but I don't have love, it's nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, you tongue-talking saints, but I don't have love, it's a bunch of noise. We wouldn't say that. We'd go, God, oh, what a glorious Christian. He gave up his body to be burned, and Jesus says that that doesn't impress me because he didn't love me. He gave up everything that he had so that he could give it to the poor. I'm not impressed by that because she doesn't, she doesn't love me. He speaks in tongues. He prophesies. This is a gifted, anointed person. I'm not impressed by that because he doesn't love me. He says, repent. Remember from where you have fallen or I will remove your lampstand from its place. He will walk in the midst of you in the midst of us, no more. I want to ask you today, are you in love? 
would you say, sitting here, between you and God, there's no condemnation. This is not for anybody else but you and for Jesus. He's here, he sees, and he's speaking to you. I would ask you, are you in love? Are you in love like you were at first? Do you remember what it was like? Is that what it's like for you now? Would you say that God's first fires of first love are burning in my heart for you? You are everything that I want. You are the craving and the, and the fulfillment of my every desire. Would, would, you, would you say that? Or have you, like the Ephesian church, left it behind? Oh, you're busy. Oh, you're faithful. You're here every Sunday. Bless you for that. You're a faithful tither and giver in missions. Bless you for that. You're an intercessor for the, for the nations, for the unsaved to come to know Christ. Hallelujah for that. But are you in love? I'm not asking are you saved. Are you in love? Are you in love? Maybe you're here and you would say, I've never, I've never experienced what you're talking about. You, you've been raised in a tradition that has taught you that church attendance is what it's all about. Be a good girl. Go to church. Make sure your skirt is not any more than two inches above your knees and make sure that your tops are not that low cut and God will be pleased with you. Maybe that's what you've been taught, that that's what Christianity is. No, it's not. Christianity, let me invite you to fall in love with this Jesus that I'm talking about. He is the one who left his throne in heaven, and he came, and he died a brutal death. Those of you who like like CSI Miami and FBI and criminal minds, the worst death that you could ever see. It, hold, it doesn't hold a candle to any of those murders. He did that for you, that your sins would be covered, that you would not have to be alienated from him, that he could have you, that he could marry you. The Bible calls the church his bride, and he's not coming for a bride that tolerates him, that, that thinks of him as an afterthought, that won't look into his eyes and long for him with love, that won't sit at his feet and pour out their love. That's not the bride he tolerates. Would you? Would you tolerate that? I'm not married. I'm not married, but I'll tell you right now. I'm 30, and my mom and I, we laugh. I have not waited 30 years for the Lord to bring me a husband, for me to deal with some man who talks to me once a week. Who, when I walk in the room, is like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to go back out and try that again. I just walked in the room. Do you realize what this is? That's not what I'm praying for, and that's not the plan or the will of God for my life. He will love me. <laughs> he will, or I will leave him. I have no problems remaining single. We've done it now for 30 years, and I'll do it. I will not settle, and neither will Jesus. Neither will Jesus. He will not settle. He will not go, oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, you, you gave him the offering. I guess that excuse. No, 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 no. You've been a faithful church goer all your life. Oh, you've stayed planted in the same church for 25 years. I guess, I guess I'll, let it, I'll let it slide. No, there's no sliding. There's no cheating. There are no shortcuts. This is love. The cross was marriage talk. The, the, his body, his blood, that's love talk. He is always declaring his love to you, and he delights to declare, for you to declare it back to him. That's what this is. That's what Christianity is. That's who Jesus is. So I'm so sorry if anybody represented a different Jesus to you. If anybody told you about a Jesus who's so ready to punish you and to throw you into the lake of fire. I'm so sorry that his beautiful voice and his precious holy name has been weaponized against you. But that's not who he is. Will you look into his eyes this morning? Will you respond to the invitation as he looks into your eyes and says, will you love me? The humility, the vulnerability, will you love me?
Not will you serve me, will you love me? There's a reason why the first commandment and the greatest is love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's the first. The problem to your secret sin issue, excuse me, the solution to your secret sin issue is, is not for you to just get it together. It's not just, oh, I'll get it together and then God's going to love me. I'll, I'll get it together. No, 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 no. If first love, first love is the answer to that. First love, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that's not a threat. That's not, well, if you love me, you would do what I say. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, your behavior will line up. If you love me, that addiction that you're so bound by, that would fall off because first love is greater. It's greater, and it's absolutely everything. And that's why Jesus condemns the church and says, if you don't repent, it's over because that's everything. That's everything. So I ask you today, are you in love? And if you're not, are you ready to fall back in love with him? And if you've never, are you ready to do it now? All over this house, will you stand with me? The worship team is going to come, and we're going to worship the Lord. I'm going to invite you just to respond to the invitation. He's extending several invitations all over this house. There are some of you who do not know him, who are not in relationship with him at all. You're far from him. You're not saved. You know that if you were to die today, you would not live a life in eternity with the Lord. I want to invite you to do not wait. Do not wait. It is not promised that you're going to wake up tomorrow. It is not promised that you will get another chance. There's a verse in Scripture that talks about God having to grant repentance. He has to grant that we would even repent. It's not given that this will be here for you tomorrow. Don't you wait. Now is the time. There's, there are people here, and you would say, I am not in love. And I know I'm not in love, not like I was. And I want to come back to my first love. And then there are those of you who have said, who would say, I've never been in love. I've been saved all my life, but I've never known the love that you're describing. I don't even know what that feels like. Let the Lord ignite fires of first love in your heart right now. And there are some of you here that you say, oh, yes, Brianna. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I am deeply in love with our Savior. Hallelujah. May the fires of first love flame hotter brighter and more all-consuming than they ever have been for you before. Everybody, lift up your hands and just pray this with me. Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you so much for the death you died. And I thank you for the life that you lived. I accept your sacrifice and I give you my life in exchange for your life. Thank you for letting me belong to your family. Thank you for calling me yours. Now I'm just going to pray over you, Lord. I just pray over every single person under the sound of my voice that fires of first love would begin to fall, that you would begin to move all over this place, and that you would convict hearts, that we, God, would fall deeply head over heels back in love with you, that we would hear your voice saying, remember from where you have fallen, and that we would repent, God, and do the works that we did at first. I pray that every heart, every heart, every spirit would be quickened by the fires of first love as they begin to fall, as this, the oil of the Spirit is poured out all over this place. I pray Jesus, that your presence would be here and that we would just 
lavish our love upon you. Come be our first love again. Come be our first priority. Come be the beat of our heart, the song that we sing in the air that we breathe. God, be over all, be in all, and move through all. In your mighty name, I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you. You do not have to stay in your seats. You're welcome to come and make this place um, an altar for yourself. But what I am going to ask you to do, feel, feel free to stay if you want to. But come, move. You worship the Lord. You worship Him. We are talking about first love. And, and there's, a, there's something so popular in Christian circles that says that when we're in our worship sessions, that it's okay for you to just stand here like this. Everybody worships different. And if you don't want to sing, you don't have to. I'm so sorry, but that's just wrong. That is because people are trying to make it comfortable to do what's comfortable for you. But worship is not about you. It's not for you. It's not about your preferences. It's not about how you were raised. It's not about a background. It's about Jesus. And what he says is, fall out on your knees at my feet. Lift up your hands and shout. Sing to the Lord. Make a joyful noise and sing a new song. That's what he wants to hear. At the same time, though, all the dancing and the clapping and the shouting and the kneeling can be done in the flesh. Don't you dare do that either. We are going to worship the Lord. This is going to be a house of worship, a house of first love, a house of purity. Let's kick the mixture out. There's no flesh in this moment. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about who's around you. It's about Jesus. And we're falling in love with him. So we're going to worship him. Hallelujah.
nothing he hadn't seen and nothing he hadn't seen and overcome by his blood when you come back to him he sees you through Jesus' righteousness not through your own not through your own Sing a new song to him. Oh, I love you, Lord. Just play those chords, baby. face and we can't walk away. 
we will not walk away. When things come at us, when things come at us, we choose you. We choose you, Jesus. We choose you. And we walk in victory because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I've seen your face. And you're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're loving. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Give him the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he good? He's good to us. He loves you. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of something that um, just recently, this has been in like the last year or so, that um, John and I have a, a friend that uh, is a, a minister, and um, he's just been, in our time that we've spent with him recently, he's been challenging us. When you're in, in your time alone with the Lord in the morning, Pause and ask him this question. I want to do this right now. I want you just while you're sensing the music in the place and sensing his presence, we're going to pause for a second. I want you to ask him, Lord, what do you love about me? What do you love about me? And then I want you to listen for that next thing. Ready? Let's do that. Lord, what do you love about me? spoke to your heart right there, but I'll tell you what his word says. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You comprehend my path when I lie down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but you behold it completely, O Lord. You have hedged me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up high into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You know, just the fact that you're here today shows that you have a desire for Him. You could have done a million other things. You have a desire to know Him. May the Lord inspire you through the word that was spoken today that He wants to draw you into a new place in Him. It's not by accident that we hear that at the here as we're entering the end of the year. He wants us to end well and then set our sights for a new place in Him in 2023. Do you believe that? All right, I have a couple of announcements for you. First of all, um, you can give online. You can give um, as you leave today. We have ushers that will serve you. Thank you for your faithfulness and giving regularly to the church. The Lord is making us a blessing as we extend into our community and also through our missions programs that we have. And you'll be hearing more about in the uh, coming week ahead. 
I want to let you know that hopefully you were able to join us for Thanksgiving. And then yesterday we had a wonderful time with the ladies' Christmas brunch. There are some things on our horizon as the year ends. We want to focus on Jesus and his birth and celebrate together. You know, oftentimes in the Old Testament, God told them, he said, hey, set this time aside and have a party. He would tell them what to do and to feast and to bring their families together, take days off work. And so that's, that's what we still do today. We want to do that with a focus on Jesus at the Christmas season. So um, just to let you know that there is a Christmas Eve candlelight service, a traditional. It's been something that we've done for years now. It's a great opportunity to invite your friends that may not uh, come to a regular service. Oftentimes people are looking for a time to worship at the Christmas season. So make sure you come to our Christmas Eve service at 6 p.m. and um, invite a friend. Then there will be Christmas at the chapel right here. There'll be a brunch time. We're gathering early on December 18th, a couple of weeks away. Gather early. It'll be a great time with family and friends. Our pastor has a great Christmas message just for that day. And then also uh, we want you to know that it's, it's another opportunity for you to invite your friends. And um, our worship team is working on some special music for the Christmas season. So you'll want to be a part of Christmas at the chapel on December 18th. To let you know, um, Christmas Day and New Year's Day, we will be having services. There'll be abbreviated services, one-hour services on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. So put that in your calendar as well as you're planning for the season ahead. For those of you that are maybe new to our church or you haven't yet attended a membership lunch, we're having a connection lunch next Sunday following the worship service right here in the, the main building. So there's a place where you can sign up at the back. You can pick up information as well and respond by text uh, as well if you're going to RSVP for that lunch. So that's next week love to have you connect, find out ways to volunteer, and get involved in this church family. May the Lord bless you. We appreciate you. You have a great day.